The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John was wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him, and all the region around Jordan, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand. And he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. The Gospel of the Lord. Good morning. It's a real pleasure for me to be here this morning. And I want to thank Ed Pruitt and Tony and Nick for the privilege of worshiping with you today. As I drove here this morning, I was reminded of a Father's Day after my heart surgery seven years ago, when Ruth, my wife, and Pam, our oldest daughter, drove me to the rental canoe landing, which I guess is just around the corner here. They had packed a lunch, and we had a delightful time as they paddled me, I was sitting in there, and they were doing the paddling. I took a little ribbing from that from some other people on the, on the river. But we ate our lunch, and then later we walked around some of your fascinating historical sites. So it's a real pleasure for me to be back in this lovely community today, and I love your sanctuary. I was invited to speak in the fall as part of your annual stewardship program because of my work with an organization called the Ministry of Money, which is an outgrowth of the Church of the Savior in Washington, which some of you may know about. <clears throat> I was not able to come then, and so here I am on the second Sunday of Advent. And since I was asked to share a bit about the Ministry of Money at the Adult Forum, I won't do that at this time. Instead, I will just try to share a few thoughts stimulated by our lectionary lessons last week and today, and then some memories of my encounter with Mother Teresa in Calcutta some 25 years ago. 
Both last week and this, Isaiah speaks about peace and justice. Last week, we heard that familiar passage, They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. And as an aside to that, it was this passage that led those of us who helped start the North Shore Shelter, it led us to name the old Nike missile site village there in Topsfield. We called it Plowshares when we converted it to a shelter for the homeless. The transformation of weapons into tools for planting and harvesting crops shows that war and hunger are intimately connected. That finite resources cannot feed both the hungry and our desire for conquest. As Dwight Eisenhower said of modern weapons in a 1953 speech, and those of you who are of my generation will probably remember it, although it won't be at all familiar to those who are younger, I imagine. Every gun that is made, every warship launched, every rocket fired, signifies, in a final sense, a theft from those who are cold and not clothed. In this week's passage, Isaiah again speaks of peace. A peace so profound that not only nations, but all of God's glorious creation ceases to engage in war. As you heard from the lector, the wolf shall live with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid. The calf and the lion and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them. And the cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp. And the weaned child shall put its hand in the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain. And how my heart yearns for that day to come. Now, I'd like to shift our thoughts from the words of our ancient and holy scripture to the words of one of our modern saints. I want to share briefly just a snapshot of my personal encounter with Mother Teresa in Calcutta. Am I making that noise? Oh. Uh, as a, another aside, I would say that the fairly recent publication of her letters revealing her struggle with her dark night of the soul makes her life even more real and helpful and transparent for me. For which one of us has not had similar struggles 
when life seems to shatter around us. From my personal perspective, I felt it when our firstborn and only son, Peter, discovered that he had cancer. And when Pam, our oldest daughter, as I mentioned, when her husband left her just four weeks after the birth of their second child, some 21 years ago. And then when we learned that my wife Ruth had cancer. Peter died 12 years ago after a 10-year struggle with his cancer. Ruth is currently doing well, and Pam just remarried this year. But back to Mother Teresa. Ruth and I were on a pilgrimage of what the Ministry of Money calls reverse mission in Calcutta. We had been to India several times before while I was there on business, but we had not been to Calcutta. Ruth, while we were there on this reverse mission, worked primarily at Shishu Bhavan, the orphanage at the mother house. While I moved around a bit between Calgut, the home for the destitute and dying, a soup kitchen, and the orphanage with Ruth. Partway through our time there, we had the privilege to spend over an hour with Mother Teresa. During that time, she asked me why I was there, and I told her that I was considering early retirement and then going to work in a developing country. I was seated right next to her, and she put her hand on my knee, and she said, Frank, don't do that. Go back to America, where God has placed you, because in all my travels around the world, I have never seen such loneliness as there is in America in the poverty of affluence. That certainly seemed like a word from God to me. So I returned home and put aside the idea of overseas work. Just a few other snippets of Mother's word that stuck with me. They may be familiar to some of you who have read extensively about Mother Teresa, but they are. First, she said, what I do, you cannot do, and what you do, I cannot do. But together, we can do something beautiful for God. Secondly, this small, frail person with such a powerful aura and personality known throughout the world said, I do no great thing. I just do small things with great love. And that is certainly something that each one of us here this morning can do. And finally, she asked a question that continually niggles at me, especially when I'm upset with someone. She said, did you see my Jesus in the faces of the poor you worked with today? Just one more thing from one of the sisters who I worked with in the soup kitchen 
We were finishing preparing the gruel that was going to be served that day, cooked it up in 55-gallon drums, and we were getting ready to serve the long line of starving people, mostly women and children, carrying all sorts of containers, some just a piece of old piece of newspaper, others a cardboard carton, but as they were lining up outside, I asked the sister I was working with how I could best communicate with the people as I served them. Her suggestion was just that I nod my head and smile at each person as I served them. I will never forget the lovely smiles that I received in return. So, in conclusion, if world peace or making a difference here in Concord, which will ultimately make a difference throughout the world, if that feels overwhelming to you and you feel helpless, I would just ask you to consciously do the small things that face each of us every day with all the love you can muster and a warm smile on your face. Thank you for the privilege of worshiping with you today.